0: to the Energetic Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sobottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast, episode number 286 of Amanda Kate. How are you, Amanda? I'm doing really, really well. Thank you. That's the way. Now, I've got a little question. I know we live in beautiful Melbourne. And it's been sunny and glorious lately. What's <laughs> made you smile the most in the last seven days? Oh, look, it's my
1: morning beach walk every day from, uh, well, you will know this very intimately, um, Bond Beach up to Edithale, yep. So Do not well. Doggy.
0: So, yeah, it's awesome. And it, and it is such a lovely walk. There are a lot of dogs. Um, <laughs> crazy, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I tell you, it's,
1: it's, I actually know the dogs more than the owners, <laughs> to be honest.
0: It's always I'm a way, isn't it? You know the yeah. dogs' names, but you don't know the owners. It's for people that own dogs, I'm sure they can relate. It's a really funny thing where you end up talking to a dog and not the human. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: I'm getting to know the humans now. I've been doing it for, uh, uh, I think I've had my dog nearly two and a half years now. So, Yes,
0: I've been part of the community for a while now. (laughs) Very nice. Very nice. It's a lovely community to be a part of. So let's paint the picture here. You've lived in Perth, Adelaide, London, Melbourne. Uh, You're an author, mother, speaker. Where do we start? Do you want to share a bit of your story, Amanda? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, You know, I, I had the, I guess, bulk standard relatively growing up. You know, I was white, middle class, Church of England raised, good girl, Did all the right things that I was told I needed to do within that narrowly defined band of acceptable behavior for a good Christian girl to walk. And so, you know, I got good grades, went to university, got good grades, worked for my dad for a bit, and my sister encouraged me over to the UK, where again, I worked, I probably partied a little bit too hard for a couple of (laughs) years there, but it was the first time I really felt free to work out who the hell I was. Um, And then within, oh, it must have been about 14 months of arriving in the UK, I met my um, then to become (laughs) ex-husband. I guess then to become husband as well. You didn't know Um, ex at the time? I didn't know (laughs) ex at the time. I probably did,
0: to be honest. I probably wish you you did know that at the time. (laughs) Sorry, I Uh, I shouldn't say that. That's not for me to say
1: no no look at and i joke you know there were red flags from the beginning and i understand now i mean obviously hindsight's a beautiful thing i understand exactly why i ended up in that kind of relationship and all the rest of it but you know i got married had two children um lived in the uk for then 11 years so i went over for my working holiday visa two years of you know having a bit of fun and traveling and ended up there 11 years and came home you know, my backpack had increased <laughs> to <laughs> a 40-foot container, a husband and two children. Um, That's so good to hear, it, was, it was pretty insane. And then <laughs> instead of moving back to Adelaide where my family were, my ex-husband thought that better opportunities were available for him on the East Coast and also said if he couldn't be close to his family, he didn't necessarily want me to be close to mine. Which, you know, now is a pretty big red flag, of course. However. (laughs) That's a massive red flag. I kind of didn't see it that way. I'd been making excuses for him for so long that I just went, yeah, that makes sense. He's never lived away from his family before. So, you know, maybe there's just this easing in kind of, you know, time frame that we've got to do. And, you know, at least from Melbourne, I can still drive back to Adelaide and see my family you know, relatively easily, just on my own with two kids. So there was all of this stuff that was going on. And so that was back in 2011. By 2013, I was needing three hour naps in the afternoon. I was absolutely exhausted. There was part of me that thought if we could make this move, perhaps our marriage would improve because he would be away from his family. And we would get a chance just to actually really get to know how we were as a family and that clearly um, went from bad to worse <laughs> as much as I'd hoped it would go from worse to you know acceptable or livable or whatever it was that I was hoping for. And so you know I ended up with chronic fatigue, um, which is what I found out a couple of years later those naps had been the beginning of.
0: From stress. And that, sorry to cut oh, you off there from yeah. stress, and I'm sure a lot of other things, but stress it does was. some really bad things, doesn't it?
1: Oh, absolutely. And I hadn't realised, you know, but basically it was like I was being more and more and more wound, like a spring that was just winding, 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 and chronic fatigue was that physical manifestation of all of the psychological and emotional stress that I'd been under for, you know, a number of years, and. That really started to push me down the natural therapies path because I kept going to doctors and they do tests and they go, but you're fine, you're healthy, there's nothing wrong with you. And I'm going, this is not healthy. And they're, well, you're the healthiest sick person we've seen. And there'd be all these throwaway flippant comments. And the real alarm bells went off when I went to a gynecologist and he tried to put me on antidepressants because I was suffering for 13 days a month with my menstrual cycle. Now, for any women out there listening, that's not normal. Um, You know, having six days in the middle of the month, and then seven days at bleed where you're suffering. And it was like this fob off of, well, if I give you an antidepressant thing, because I can't work out what's wrong with you, maybe that'll just get you, you know, out of the office. But there was this bit in me going, seriously with all of the medicine we have available to us that's your answer this is not okay so I started with naturopath and Chinese doctor and basically in the end it took about four professionals telling me I had chronic fatigue before my ex-husband believed me he was like oh you're always exhausted everyone else is always just tired you know what's wrong with you why why are things always worse for you I'm like (laughs) They there are. was actually a 90 kilo reason for that, um, <laughs> which used to be my joke after I first separated. People would say, oh, my God, every time I see you, you look younger and happier and healthier. And I said, yeah, I lost 90 kilos. And they'd go, huh? And go, I got it yeah, straight I away. My, Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have to say, yeah, I left my ex-husband or my husband at the time. And, yeah, look, it was, it was one of those journeys that... Yes, it was tough. No, I would never want anybody else to go through the extremity that I went through. And also I know that it has been the biggest gift and blessing that I've ever had, not just because I have two incredible children, but also because I've reconnected to myself. I've found my divinity again. I've found that mind-body-spirit connection. And that foray into natural therapies just blew my mind. It was like I was remembering. I was remembering stuff that I have known for lifetimes and that blew my mind as well. So it was just like this amazing door got opened into a whole new world and I'm yeah. still there exploring it.
0: <laughs> well, I love that. And one of the the big areas I want to talk about today is obviously mm. around self-care and self-love. Um, yeah because you hear it so much Amanda like we we all know it, yeah. but people don't do it the way people speak no. to themselves is horrific you would never actually say that to anybody else so no. why is this such a hard thing and why does it take a lot of time and I know I went through a divorce as well I went through a bad thing, mm-hmm. and it took me hitting that rock bottom to actually yeah. realize I needed to change that like why yeah. why is that like I know we've both gone through similar things and you actually have to do something to change and make it. But why is it so hard for people? I think there's, you know, so many different prongs to
1: that answer. So let's just see where it takes us. The first one is the fact that in society, and this is, you know, I love the divine masculine. I, I think men are incredible. But under patriarchy, which is the system of separating God from us, putting him into the sky, ironically in a dress, um, (laughs) and separating him from us through fear and guilt and shame and all of those more negative human emotions, whereby if we don't do this, then we will go to hell. If this doesn't happen, you'll go to hell. If you do this, you'll go to hell. There's always these threats and coercive control aspects to this patriarchal setup that we're all living under and we're all swimming in and in that separation you've also got to recognize then there were intermediaries between us and god whether it be you know we had jesus you've got your priests you've got you know all these different layers so you can no longer access god directly now in that we have been taught that that masculine aspect of ourself, and again, we're not talking gender here. It is about the archetypal aspects, the thinking, the logical brain, the planning and the taking of action is the really important stuff. And anything to do with the body, anything to do with that more feminine aspect of self, the creativity, the play, the rest, the gentleness needs to be hidden away because it is dark and shameful and can't be understood. And so in this separation, what we find is we are living in a patriarchal society where everything is about comparison and competition and power over rather than power with power to. It's not the rising tide raises all the boats. It's the we are climbing up a ladder and for me to get to that next rung, I need to pull you down a rung. And that is not a self-loving, self-caring environment. Now, we layer onto that patriarchal structure, capitalism, and what you see out there as self-care is actually just capitalism. It's buy my course and you'll feel amazing and, you know, go and get a massage and a facial. And a. And so then people go, well, I don't have time for self-care. Well, self-care isn't the stuff that you buy. It's all lovely. Don't get me wrong. I love nothing more than a beautiful spa treatment or a retreat or a, can, you know, women's circle or whatever it is. I love that stuff. But self-care isn't the rainbows and unicorns and all of that fluffy stuff. It's hard decisions. It is boundaries being in place. It is asking ourselves, what is the most loving thing I can do for myself in this moment? How is the most how is it that I can show up in the most loving way for myself? And that's the hard part. The other thing is because it is hard, other, you know a lot of people just want others to do it for them. The number of professionals I know out there who just keep their clients coming back and back and back, the client doesn't really want to do the homework doesn't really want to put all into place all the things that are cleared in session that's not how i work that's not what i want to do i will walk with you on this healing journey i will walk alongside you and be your biggest cheerleader but if you're just working with me one hour a week or one hour a fortnight or whatever it is that our schedule allows and you're not going outside this room and putting into place the stuff you learn, then you're not going to make any change. I think the other thing is people believe that we need to make these massive leaps and shifts and changes every session that we have. But I can tell you now the most potent work I have done has been little 1% changes that have stuck, that have become 1% 1% every day and you think about it, three weeks later, you're on a completely different path because you're 20-odd degrees from where you started.
0: Mm.
1: They're the shifts and changes that have made the big, biggest um, impact in my life and I think that's what people don't quite get. They, they have this idea that, you know, if I go into this self-love and self-care the way that it needs to be done, in that deeply self-respectful way, in that deeply self-honouring way, it goes in the too hard basket because we've got to take big leaps and we've got to look at stuff we don't want to look at. And if I open that Pandora's box of emotion, will I ever actually be able to put the lid back on it or is it just going to spew out all of this stuff that I don't necessarily (laughs) want to look at?
0: Yeah, well, and and with that, it's sort of very similar to a news resolution in a way, you know, where you go from doing, not doing something to just living that and it's too much Um, and it's exactly the same with you know self-care like start small like do Mm -hmm. something well and then keep adding to it and I think that's that's the biggest problem isn't it that we try and do too many things it becomes complicated we don't know where to start we forget one we're so badly talking to ourselves oh you're stupid you're always bad at this you you never stick at anything and we're gone do you find that's that's, we're a worst enemy, we're a worse critic mm-hmm. because we put too much on our plate and it's unrealistic to make them all stick.
1: Yeah. And I think that's a beautiful point. And also I see it so often whereby people are making the changes. And then because they make one wrong choice, they then go right back and slide down probably further than they even started. And one of the things that I, I look at with the way that I work within you know, the kinesiology sessions is if things are testing up for home reinforcement, which are things that people do for homework, <laughs> I will try, and I didn't know this was a thing, by the way, I've done it for years, but somebody said, oh, that's called habit stacking. So there you go. We now have a term for it. But I will say, okay, so when you're drinking your tea or coffee, sit down, smell it taste it, be with it, you know, enjoy as many senses as you can get involved with your tea or coffee rather than getting in it into to-go cup, racing around like crazy, drinking it on the go, spilling half of it down the front of you if you're anything like me um, and, you know, and not really tasting or enjoying it. We're trying to do things at such a fast pace because of this striving hustle culture. You know, the rise and grind, the, you know, it's the early bird gets the worm kind of thing, but it's all those harsher words. And yeah, you know what, sometimes it's fun to hustle. Sometimes it's fun to rise and grind, but if you're doing it every day and that's your one speed, you are going to burn out. And people go from this all to a nothing. And the way I describe it is it's like our nervous system, if you imagine that, like the wiring in a house. And when we get into stress, it's like all of the lights and all of the electrical appliances in the house are all on at the same time and we try and outrun our stress and we try to do stuff, whether it be cleaning or cooking or you know, we out busy ourselves. And then we get to a point where all of the lights and all of the electrical appliances are off. Nothing is working. We sit on the couch and veg in front of Netflix until that little sign comes up and says, are you watching? And often you will actually find you have a preference for one or the other. And you tend to find that people who are together have the opposite one. And that's where, you know, for me, I'm an I'm a let me out busy this, or I used to be. I'm certainly nowhere near that anymore. And I used to try and out busy myself and then I'd look at my partner going, you're so lazy. Like you're sitting there doing nothing. We have so much to do. But he's the, the one where everything turns off when he's stressed. He just needs to sit and be, whereas I would try and outrun it. Now I'm much better at, at finding that balance and I don't tend to get myself into that crazy stressed out state anymore. But I think once you start to know that you can see how things do go in the too hard basket.
0: Mm. Yeah. Well, you you start to understand a little bit about yourself and the more you dig deeper, the better understanding you know what you need to get that mm-hmm. recharge or whatever. But a lot of people don't allow themselves to Ponder or go through that to figure out what they need. So, people out there, because it's such a big thing, Amanda. Like we always talk about it: be your own best friend, do nice things, be kind. Like that's all BS. Because what is it? So, when we're talking about self care, where are just some simple and and simple is best because people need actionable, simple things. Where's like a really easy way to start? And I know. I can already tell what you do walking your dog along the beach each morning. Mm. Like that's a non-negotiable because that sets your day up and that's your time. What yeah. um, yeah. if people don't have that? Like where, where do you recommend they start with, you know, doing stuff for themselves to slow down? So they're, you know, like you said, you're mindful mm. drinking or mindful eating or you're present with every aspect of your life.
1: I I think that's exactly it. That first part is slow down. Mm. It's if your brain is really good at doing what you tell it to do so if you turn around and say make a to-do list it's going to make a to-do list and it's going to make a fabulous to-do list and it will include (laughs) things like washing the car and cleaning your fingernails and cleaning out the bins out the front and you know cleaning out your crisper drawer in the fridge and you can make a to-do list till the cows come home and this is what we do most of the day if you think about you know our I don't know, typical work day, eight hours or whatever, people will make their to-do list to do eight hours worth of work and they forget about things like toilet breaks, lunch, coffee breaks, interruptions, phone calls, meetings. So they fit eight hours of work into their eight-hour day and then they go, well, I always get to the end of the day and nothing's gotten done. Well, you have done things. It's just that you can never do eight hours of work in an eight-hour window because there are other things that will come in and take your time. So if you sit down and even start planning your day differently where you look at your usable time. So if you've got an eight-hour day and you take out, say, two hours for breaks, another hour for going through your emails and interruptions, and then you've probably got another hour in there of other stuff, you've actually only got four hours of work that you can get done in an eight hour day to be realistic. So then I break down that to-do list. I tell people just get rid of it. Realistically, get rid of it because your brain will keep adding to it and keep adding to it. If you really want to write it all down in a book, close it and put it to one side and write down maybe two or three things that you have to get done in that day. Because I'll tell you what, if it gets desperate, it will happen you know and i use the example of my insurances i hate shopping around for insurance and i don't know why because it's so easy these days with all those comparison sites but you know when i shop around my insurance is when a week before my insurance is due the insurance company (laughs) takes the money out of my account and i go crap i meant to do that and you know what within half an hour i've shopped around my insurance And either kept the policy I've got or I've rung that company and said, I need a refund on going with this company paid the new company. Okay, I'm out of pocket for, you know, three, three to five days, depending on how long it takes them to process, but I actually get it done because all of a sudden it's moved up to the top of my list. So you will guarantee that anything that is really urgent will find a way to get done. And, and often what we're doing is actually just loading ourselves up with stress and so. In terms of that, it's just looking at what is more realistic of what can I do? What is vital for me to do? Not just what do I want to do? Because want to do is, again, go into that, let's make a list. There's a million things I want to do, but what is actually vital for me to get done? And obviously that's a little bit more geared towards work side of things mm. because we have a bit more freedom at home. But I think the thing that you mentioned a couple of times is that inner voice. If we start recognising that inner voice and what it's saying and what I tell people to do is imagine you've got a loudspeaker on top of your head and it is broadcasting all of the stuff that goes on in your head to the public, would you be happy for that voice to be broadcast? Because if not, (laughs) you've got some work to do.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And that's just the truth of it. Yeah, and I, I love I love what you're saying there too because the bigger your to-do list is or, you know, you, you're really delaying gratification. Like every time you complete something, mm. you're not celebrating it because you've got so many other things to do. You don't allow yourself to. And we mm. all know if you suppress that and delay gratification, you're not actually celebrating your achievements and then you feel like you're not any good. And it's it's a just a snowball effect, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a
1: beautiful point is, we are so much in the happiness of pursuit that we're not pursuing happiness. And again, I have limitations on happiness myself in terms of, I don't necessarily think it's the best thing to aim for, but to use that as an idea, it is constantly, well, when I get this, I'll be happy. When I get that, I'll be happy. When I do this, I'll be happy. When I do that, I'll be happy. But that by the time you achieve that first goal, you're already on to your next goal. There is no, oh my God, I actually achieved that. That's amazing. There might be for one or two of the things that you achieve, but you look at it in terms of relationship. Oh, we get together. This is amazing. I love it. When we get engaged, I'll be happier. When we get married, I'll be happier. When we have our first kid, we'll be, you know, it's that everyone's always waiting for that next thing to make them happy. Now, I prefer to think of it in terms of contentment and peace because. I figure if you're happy all the time, it's
0: really untrustworthy and it's you probably realistic. need medication. Because it's not realistic, it? like, Yeah, no. I mean, it's not realistic. There's no such thing as being happy all the time. Like that is, Hell it's no. not real. That's very denial. Yes, <laughs> yeah, correct. <laughs>
1: yeah. And let's face it, you look at the people who pretend they're happy all the time and it often doesn't reach their eyes. It's like the heart how are you doing this is amazing (laughs) and you're like oh just show me some real (laughs) like (laughs) seriously get out of denial and let's talk real and and i think that's where i have that issue with happiness is it doesn't allow us the full expression of our human emotions it's painting us into this one dimensional corner and it's unrealistic to live there what we need to look at is loving the light and the shadow having this place of peace within us that we can tether onto when things are tumultuous outside ourselves and to honor that part of our journey and experience but until we can start doing things like catching that internal voice when it's being nasty. I mean, mine was downright abusive for years. I was by far my biggest abuser because I agreed. And even now, sometimes I will catch a thought and I'll be going, oh, I know exactly where that came from. Okay. Let me just catch that. All right. That's clearly still sitting there. What do I need to do to shift that? Shift the focus, shift the idea, you know, how can I bring truth to this? And if we can start bringing some truth to our inner talking, The way that we speak to ourselves the way that we honor or don't honor ourselves it really does start to change things when you add into that slowing down and you know being present in the moment it's again it's simple things it's those one percent shifts and changes that take you so far from the path you were walking onto a whole new path that it is just mind-blowing.
0: Mm. And I'm just listening to that. And it, it is so true that you need to be present for the dark, as you said, and the light, Like the good mm. and the bad. You can't just escape one or the other. And yeah. like you need to not suffer, but you need to experience those, those down times because without that, you don't know what a good time feels. And if you're not present with it, it just snowballs. Like it just... Yeah. You just it's you're going nowhere really, aren't you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we grieve because we've known love. Mm. We understand joy when we've known grief and sadness. And so there's all of these different aspects of our own psyche and spiritual body that we would not experience if it weren't for some of these emotions that we're supposed to feel in this 3D human body.
0: Mm. Yeah, very true. I, I, I And just listening to everything you've been saying Amanda. and like, you've obviously shared your own personal story, but then so many things that people are related to. Do you, do you look back and where you've come from and what you've achieved? And is there something that you're really proud of, you know, because, um, you've you've overcome a lot of different things and to get where you are now and actually helping other people because you've been able to help yourself. um, Is there something that you're really proud of or you just proud of the journey and what you've been able to achieve so far? Look, I think there's so many different layers to that. Again,
1: you know, I was trying to find a way that I could stay until my kids finished high school. And it got to a point where I knew That was never going to be possible, I had to leave to save myself, I had no other choice there was there was no option to stay anymore, so I had to go and making that choice with no job with no support with you know I was literally on my own. To make that is one of the things i'm most proud of but also doing it to show my children what real love looked like. I was determined never to get into a relationship with anybody again until A, I had done enough work so that I was not entering it from the same place I left the last one so that I would never attract that kind of stuff again. And a relationship that truly demonstrated love. So I saw a meme yesterday and it pissed me off and I wished I could have taken a (laughs) screenshot of it because it said, you know, love isn't all you need. You also need respect and you need kindness and you need all of the, I can't even remember the list now. But I was going, this is the problem in our society is we think that you can have love without respect. Bullshit. Mm. I'm sorry, I'm calling bullshit on it because love is respectful it is kind, it is one of the highest vibration emotions that we can experience. And so people make excuses and put abuse in with love. Well, I can't leave him because he loves me. Bullshit, he's abusing you. Don't call it love. You know, our parents do the best they can with what they have available, no doubt about it. But when you have so many conditions on people when you are trying to control people it's not love and i'm not saying people aren't doing the best they can we all are i'm sure my children sometimes go oh my god you've tried to control me yeah probably at some point (laughs) i have now i am i do really try and sit in love as much as i can with them and i'm getting better and better but i know back when they were little, when they were forming all of their ideas on the world, I wasn't sitting in love. I didn't know what love was. I didn't understand it as an emotion. So yeah, I tried to control things around me. I was completely emotionally unresourceful because I didn't even know it was a thing to be resourceful. I didn't know what that looked like or what it felt like. And so again, I'm proud of the fact that I've gone to some really deep, dark places within my psyche and soul and excavated what is there, worked with incredible healers and teachers, because this is not a solo journey and people who think you can do it on your own are delusional. I have some incredible people around me who still support me on that journey and working with them keeps me in the alignment and vibration that I know I need to operate from and love I'm that. learning to love
0: yeah and it's so powerful that everything you mentioned there it's it is a journey and you, mm. you're not never going to master it. And if you think you're going to master it, you're living in a false world again. It's probably yeah. like that happiness all the, all the time. It's unrealistic. It's not going to happen. Mm. Um, and I love how you said that it is a journey and you need to incorporate help from other people. Mm. Um, so people are listening to this and they're like, wow, I can relate to this. I probably, certain things you've said, like, oh, I do that myself. This is part of my life. This is how I treat myself, the way I talk to myself. I'm not present. Da, 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 da where can we find out more where can we check out your book where, where do we go talk to us a little bit about this yeah absolutely the best
1: place is amandacate.com.au so again, au for australia and that's got all of my social links it has information about my book and you know i'm posting relatively regularly and you know not on all platforms but you know i get there eventually <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah i wrote the book it's called divine messy human a spiritual guide to prioritizing internal truth over external influence and the reason was for years i denied that divinity within me i denied that i was part of the divine i denied that everybody else had the divine in them as well i was holding up this facade trying to prove that i was you know in this perfect marriage and i was doing life well and i was kicking goals and i was achieving what i needed to achieve and hiding that messiness. And my human experience was really hard. But the more that I have come to embrace my divinity and embrace the divinity within others, the more I have embraced and accepted and had grace and compassion for the messiness within me, and therefore being able to recognize and honor and accept the messiness in others, the easier my human experience has become. And the more I have trusted that internal truth rather than what everybody else is telling me I need to be doing with my life. Because although we are all part of the divine, we're all unique expressions of it.
0: That's, uh, I, I love that. And and really it comes down to being, when you allow yourself to be vulnerable and not perfect, you actually mm. allow yourself to accept other people. And it's, yeah. you know, you, in, instead of being judgmental, you become curious. And I think that's one mm. of the biggest things that you can do when you start accepting yourself for who you are and what you are, then it actually makes life so much bloody easier. You let oh, go of everything. Does. Don't you but easier said than done. So um, this is episode number 286. Amanda, I'll have links in the show notes for your website, your book, everything. Check that out. Um, thank you so much for your time today and sharing And you know, like change starts when someone is allowing themselves to be vulnerable. And like you said, being messy, messy, isn't something to be ashamed of is it that messy oh, no. is you and bloody embrace it yeah i don't think we can get through this human experience
1: without a hell of a lot of mess and the more we can embrace it and learn to love it and the more grace and compassion we can give ourselves on that
0: journey honestly the easier life becomes yeah, so true. And what, what better way to finish that, so Amanda? Thank you so much for your time today. Um, I might see you along the beach walking your dog very soon.
1: <laughs> thank you so much. And keep bringing your light to the world. We need it. Thank you.